Hey everyone, and welcome to another Yogi Misfit Sessions. My name is Danny Pomploon, and I am your host. Hope everyone is doing well and having a great week. I know I am. I am just getting back to life and getting reintegrated from Burning Man and taking some time away from the burnout that I had and definitely came back super recharged, um, remembering to come back to the basics and really just to nurture and take care of myself. So as a note to all of you guys, from someone that just went through burnout, take care of yourselves, take time out for yourself and make sure that you are nurturing and checking in and doing all that fun stuff because it is important. Um, yeah, today is session 89 and I have Tim Sinesi on the show. So Tim is actually an online, uh, YouTube yoga teacher. He also teaches in person as well, but he's got a really big YouTube following, does really cool, uh, breakdown tutorials. Um, and funny story, actually, um, I knew Tim through a student of mine up here in San Francisco who used to go to a bunch of his yoga retreats. So that's how we connected. Uh, we get down to one of my favorite topics today, which is just the basics and the fundamentals and something that I've been jamming out for quite a while and that I, I, I practice in my classes is, you know, like doing the really basic stuff really well will make all the other big stuff happen. So we chat a little bit about that, which is super great. I think more teachers need to be uh, spreading that message of, you know, just doing the fundamental stuff really, really, really solid to, to train your body and, and doing it well. So we'll dive out into that in the episode. Um, I wanted to also just share with everybody too. Um, the show has been getting some really fun traction from you guys in support. Um, we recently started this donor box campaign, which is basically a donation to the show to help sustain the show. So surprise, surprise, uh, doing this podcast is not free uh, for me. And the goal is to try to get um, at least $100 coming through the show um, in a month. Right now we're up at 10, which is super cool. Uh, but that would help sustain the show itself. That way I can continue to create this content, to produce this content, to find guests for the show and all the stuff that goes into it. You can do a one-time donation or you can do a recurring donation and it helps with everything. So from the hosting to the recording, to the editing, to all the marketing, to all the stuff that goes with it, it goes 100% back into the show and all the budget and stuff for it will be uh, transparent. So you can see exactly where the uh, dollars are going to. There's a link below um, to to donor box and you can do a one-time or a reoccurring and I appreciate it on uh, those that are listening to the show appreciate it um, so yeah you can support check out our donor box link and uh, let the show thrive and be alive if you can't do that remember that you can leave an uh, iTunes review uh, that takes just a couple minutes and that also helps the show move up the ranks and without further ado here goes session 89 with Tim Sinesi What's going on, Tim? Hey, how's it going? Good. So funny enough, um, I actually teach, or I've taught at Dropbox. Um, it's a, a, a everyone knows Dropbox, right? I think everyone knows Dropbox, um, but they're a corporate, you know, here located here in San Francisco. And one of my students at Dropbox is actually one of your regular retreat students. No way. Who's that? Yeah, is it is Brian Reed? Oh, I know Brian. Yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> he's such a cool dude. Uh, him, his mustache, him and his mustache, man. <laughs> His mustache is solid. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny though. Like I I I had kind of circled around. Well, you know how it goes in the yoga universe. You kind of just like circle around certain people and you hear their names and like you kind of crash in and out with like certain people. And you were one of them. And I was like, I need to get him on the show soon. Oh wow, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, small, yeah. Small world in yoga. 
Oh, dude, such a small world. I think we forget that as yoga teachers too, because all we, you know, we we get to like hear and see what each other is is doing, and we forget that the world's a lot bigger than just our small little bubble. Mm. So, Tim, you're hanging out in Orange County, so I'm up I'm up in, in NorCal. You're you're down below in, in SoCal. How's everything going down there? It's going pretty good. There's a good yoga community here, and I've I grew up around here, and I've been teaching here for about ten years. Before that, I was teaching in San Diego. Yeah. Um, just about an hour south of where I'm at. And yeah. I love it. It's a great place to be. You're still doing. And so for the listeners tuning in, Tim is pretty much, you're just pretty much a YouTube online teacher. Yeah. And then no, you got your retreats uh, as well. Yeah. I teach like, uh, 10 group classes a week. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought you yeah. were just doing online te- teaching for some reason. No. Cool. Okay, cool. So, and you, but you still have your YouTube stuff going on though. That's right. That's my main, that's, you know, a big, a big focus right now is, uh, creating good content for the YouTube channel. What have you been geeking out on for the YouTube channel? You know what? I just worked on an arm balance series. Mm -hmm. Um, part of the, part of what I wanted to speak about today was building a solid foundation and, uh, teaching people about the, the basics that they could grow and flourish in the practice. But um, so I kind of held off on doing an arm balance focused, uh, practice for a long time, because I really want to make sure that the online community felt well-established in the standing poses that they were developing a balance of strength and flexibility. But sure. this, this, uh, arm balance series I just put together, that's like, that's been my main focus over the last month is trying to create the best sequence that I could. And when do, uh, like when you, when you start to put this stuff together, is it based off of things that you've worked on in the past or is it like, is it, uh, like, is it a buildup or is you just kind of pick out this random content depending on what you're working on or, or what you feel like your community needs? That's a good question. Uh, it, it's, it, there's always a little bit of the past workshops that I've taken, things that my teachers have taught me. And then a little bit uh, is just my own experience and exploration and incorporating what I've learned with anatomy. And so a little bit outside of yoga is uh, just through be getting injured from skateboarding and surfing. I got, um, I've had like probably every uh, joint platform of the body injured that so I've, I've learned a lot <laughs> through that. Yeah. And through different modalities, like learn through physical therapy, um, and just different things. Like it really helped to add a depth to the practice. Like I learned, Oh wow. Like lots of yogis lack strength in, in these areas. And we need to develop strength here before we can ask the body to do certain things. So it kind of like the yoga practice to me was more mythical in a sense when I first started or esoteric, like I thought, Oh, it's just this beautiful like thing that all flows together. And then through learning anatomy, uh, then I, I was able to look at it more scientifically, like, oh, there's actually progression. Now, if, if I make this stronger and this flexible, then it opens me up for that. So a little bit of that too. And I had the unique experience of like blowing out my rotator cuff two years ago in a horrible skateboarding slam. And so I tore four different things on my shoulder and it took me about a year to be able to just get full range of motion and being able to weight bear and everything. And then after that, I had to rebuild my whole practice of being able to do what I originally was able to do. So it really helped me to be able to articulate what 
needed to happen to get into the arm balances and then inversions. Whereas before it kind of came naturally to me because I started yoga, uh, kind of young. So I would be, I just do crow pose, hook your knees, go into it. And now right. I, was, I was, Oh man, it took me so long to regain that flexibility. I was much more mindful about what it was like. So I, I look at that experience as a, a blessing in a sense, because it, it's helped to add a layer dimension to my teaching. There's a couple of things that you, uh, that you mentioned that one, I totally get the injury part. It's just snowboarding and skateboarding and all the, all the boarding period, you're going to go down at some point. Right. <laughs> There's like no way around it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love what you said. Like you thought it was just like this really esoteric, like, Oh, it's so like magical and beautiful, but there's actually a really big analytical side to the physical yoga practice. I, I, I think one thing that people forget is like the asana is just a part of this bigger thing called yoga, right? It's like a, mm-hmm. it's one leg of it. Same with the pranayama, same with the meditation. And the asana part has like moved and developed into so many different ways. I mean, I've had re- recently just, I've had some really cool guests on the show, you know, about how it's more, um, less of the linear movements that we're taught. And like, this is how you do yoga because this is how we were taught to do yoga and more of like the, how can we explore this a little bit deeper and how can we go further into the, these different poses with, you know, either biomechanics or playing around with weight load or playing around with levers or playing around with, you know, the relationship to gravity with things. And there's so much more that goes into it. And I, I, I all, I honestly think if it's just, you know, it's, if it helps you self inquire a little bit deeper, it's still considered yoga in, 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 you know, in my opinion. And then there is the other, the other, um, side of it, the esoteric part, the, 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 the teachings of yoga, the philosophy of yoga, the chanting part of yoga, there's, there's so much more that goes into it and it kind of just arrives as you need it, I guess. Right. That's a good point. One of the things that you were saying, I know is, I guess, perfect segue to, to start to dive in is, you know, building a really solid foundation between, you know, r- rather than jumping into, you know, like vinyasa right away. I, uh, I'm of the school of thought that before you actually jump into a vinyasa class or any real yoga class, you should have to, you know, like when you go to CrossFit and they mm-hmm. do, I don't know if you've, you've ever CrossFitted before, but I uh, haven't. But I understand, I understand a little bit. I have some friends into it. Okay. So, so my tall skinny ass actually goes to CrossFit. Yes. Believe it or not. (laughs) Uh, And I love it mainly because I can't go to the gym and lift weights on my own. Like that just sounds awful to me. It sounds terrible. You know, like I can rock climb and snowboard and all the other things, but I I just can't go to the gym and lift things up. It's, it's awful. So I go somewhere where I'm told to do it because it's better and it's, it, it works. But before you start going to crossfitting classes like to the group classes they actually make you do an onboarding series so it's like three different classes or you know sometimes it's four depending on you know the gym or whatever but you go over these basic movements and they won't let you go into the next class until you're done with these movements and you know they see that you understand them and that you've got like you know the foundations of them Mm -hmm. and then you move into like the next class and then you move into the next class and then finally you do this little test and then at the end of the test if you pass everything then you can start going to the normal crossfit classes Mm -hmm. and i kind of feel like we should do the same in yoga almost you know i feel Mm -hmm. like some really simple movements like you know chaturanga and which is a really hard thing to do Chaturanga right. is so difficult and we teach right. it right out of the gate. Like it's yeah. immediately one of the first things that people start doing is Chaturanga and it is extremely difficult. Right. Like Chaturanga and down dog and, you know, like I, I, I would love to see, you know, some sort of world, some perfect world where we had like this little like onboarding, you know, kind of session into, you know, into yoga because there's 
so I think so many people get scared and get turned away from yoga and get scarred from it because they're not ready for it. And they jump into a class. that's just not necessarily for them or there's not enough options for them, you know? That's such a good point. And, or it's often, I think, I, I think it's that people are already athletic and they, they want to get a certain amount of physical activity from their class. So they see, I'm not going to go to the beginner class. I'm, you know, I'm already pretty athletic. I'll, I'll go to the level two class. I'll go to the vinyasa class because I'll get a good workout. And, and they don't realize that there is that the progression and without, without the onboarding, without the, the basics, then um, you're just you're setting yourself up for failure. And w- what you mentioned about the chaturanga, it's such an important point. Is that I, I in the 30 day challenge that I did this year, I do a 30 day challenge every year on my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to give people access to the vinyasa yoga practice. So this was kind of like the foundation to be able to do a vinyasa yoga practice. I taught people all the muscles that they need to be strengthening and stretching to be able to do a chaturanga and a down dog because people like these, these very popular poses that we think of as, uh, as standard yoga poses like downward dog, many beginners shouldn't be doing downward dog. It requires quite a bit of flexibility and strength to be able to do that. I usually have beginners start off with like puppy dog stretch hands at the wall or hands on a chair seat, just trying to get the the lines of energy. And, um, and even as you mentioned before, yeah, there, there is so much more than, than linear in yoga, but first the line, like if you learn math first, you have to learn to add and subtract before you can learn to do calculus and the depth depth that is in there. So, you know, it's like that it's, it can be like that with yoga as well. It's funny too, because I mean, not, not only in addition to that, but you, the, the thing that you, uh, you just said is it, like, but then all these yoga classes are like mixed levels. Everything in yeah. yoga is mixed levels. <laughs> so you're going back to like, let's do a calculus and subtraction and addition all in the same class. Yeah, I know. Right. It's insane. One, I have a, I, there have been times in classes where you know, I have some assistants in my classes as well. And I always, you know, will, one, I encourage them to obviously take care of themselves, but also take care of the people in the room. There are certain people though, sometimes where I'll be like, you need to go pull that person out of class and go show them X, Y, and Z before they Mm. come back in, just because they're not going to get it down one or two, they're going to injure themselves. Right. And I also think that there is, um, there's this very, uh, there's this big sense in yoga right now where like the bigger is better, you know, like our bigger is better rather. And if we can mm-hmm. do all these really cool poses, it's, it's good. But I think what people forget is if you can do really simple poses really well, the mm-hmm. other big poses happen. Right. That's a really good point. And it's something that one of my teachers that I studied with, uh, in, in the anger yoga tradition, he was, he, so they have these levels of, of yoga teachers and he was the senior advanced teacher, like the highest level of certification. I would go and study with him there in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I was taking these advanced level classes where it was mostly teachers and all with very advanced practices. And he would teach all of the actions that you needed for basically all the advanced asanas, but mm-hmm. in the most basic poses. So you'd have to learn in warrior one, how to get thoracic extension that would completely change your back bends. And so we'd be doing these very basic standing poses. And at times I would think, 
this is really boring. You know, when, when I first started with him, I was, I was young, I was in my twenties and I was thinking like, this is so boring. I want to be able to do all the fancy poses. Why is this guy not teaching <laughs> all these people in here are capable? And my, my, um, local yoga teacher at the time would, would come to these workshops and she, she would kind of explain, she'd be like, okay, well, after the class, do your TikToks and see how much they've changed. Like it, which is doing a handstand into Urvadhanyasana and then back over, mm-hmm. and sure enough, her point was is that what you're able to access in your body helped you in all the advanced poses. So it, it comes from these these smaller actions and being able to do them in basic poses before you can ap- apply them into into the more advanced stuff. Are you currently working on any of that stuff like in your own uh, public classes? In my own public classes? Well, since I got on this whole arm balance kick, um, just myself trying to relearn how to do them myself and then uh, do them for the video series, I've been I've been heavy into the arm balances lately. Mm. But uh, not so much. When I first started teaching yoga, dropbacks were really popular. And then it kind of changed to handstand. Like, for example, if you ask someone right now, they're like, oh, they're so good at yoga, they can do a handstand. So that, that's kind of become like the, the marker of if somebody is proficient at yoga versus when I first started yoga, it was like, oh my gosh, they can do a standing drop back. They're really good at yoga, which again, these are like completely random things to be good at. It, it doesn't make you good at yoga, but uh, yeah, so that when I first started, I was, I was all about trying to get people into drop backs and, and back bends like that. And then it's kind of shifted to where I, I like people to be more well-rounded and focused on the more on the fundamentals. Really what I saw is that more, more that the more people are focused on these extreme ranges of motion is that it was, it was like, walking a fine line like you're on a razor's edge and if you slipped you're going to cut yourself and that's what i started to find more and more is that people were were getting were getting injured they were cutting themselves and then they weren't able to practice for a while so i became less interested in pushing people on their regular practice to moving into extremes and encouraging them to practice it less frequently um, to keep doing the basic, the foundational work, and but then to avoid the extreme ranges of motions because of, of how much injury that I was seeing. Has it shifted your own practice? Just, you know, I mean, one, your injury, but two, you know, like the way that you have now been teaching, has it shifted the way that you, uh, that you practice currently, like on your own? Definitely. Um, yeah, when I when I first started yoga, and I think I think often people when they when they first start, they're drawn towards towards the fantastic stuff. Like I opened the book of light on yoga, and I thought, okay, the goal of yoga is to be able to do all this stuff. That means that you're good at yoga. <laughs> you will be enlightened so, once you can right, do it. <laughs> yeah, and and that was and that was my aim, and I was I was I was very excited about yoga, and I wanted to do all this stuff, and. Um, what I found was that the, the asana, like you said, initially the asana was just, just a part of it and having to take time off. Uh, I've, I've explored the other facets of yoga, uh, gotten deeper into meditation, pranayama, and, and that's helped me a bunch to, to have a, a deeper perspective as to what I'm doing on the mat so that 
when I'm in a pose, it's not so much of there's more going on that's than just in the pose. And this is this is uh, spoken about often in the anger method how everything can be encompassed in the while you're practicing the physical asana. It can it can be you can be practicing dharna and dhyana dharna and dhyana within the pose. You can be practicing this intense level of concentration and focus and and moving out of the mind. And so more of my practice is about that, uh, getting this time of moving meditation and then just keeping keeping myself moving healthy. Less um, I'm less interested in in the the, fan, the fantastical range of motion just because of its uh the what comes is the tendency to go into your joints and to eventually burn out and and also what what i started to to see in the yoga community is that teachers my some of my senior teachers and people who've been practicing teaching for into their 50s were burning out their joints completely. Like we're having to get hip replacements or like burning out their lower backs. Mm. And, uh, and then, so I realized, well, okay, why this, this shouldn't be yoga is something to keep you healthy. Right. So instead of, and, and back to what, what I mentioned at the beginning is I think a lot of, a lot of the, sure there's excitement and there's, uh, there's the tapas, the, the burning desire to deepen your yoga practice, which is all very important and it should be nurtured and cultivated. But at the same time, we shouldn't, we should be clear as to what the tapas is and then what the ego is. And, and if the ego is, is being strengthened through what I can do, I mean, the developing ego in a child is like, look at me, look what I can do. I can climb this tree. So then often in yoga, I think that we're seeing that we can, we can see that, um, in, through our social media platforms, etc. It's, it can be like, look what I can do. And then, and then people think that that's, that's something that should be nurtured in the yoga practice. But right. at the same time, it's, it's not all negative because at the same time it encourages people. And one of the things that I always say is even though, um, even though I, I just said what I said, watching David Swenson practice Ashtanga yoga motivated me to, to deepen my practice. So, um, and, and not from an ego sense, just how, how beautiful he's able to flow from, from these, um, advanced poses made me want to be able to move freely like that. If you were to, if you were to say, you know, there's, there's like these uh, four to five sets of poses or poses that people should really dial in before anything else, what would they be? That's a good question. I would stick with the five basic standing poses. I would say that you should be really proficient in the standing poses before and that just goes back to to my foundation in Iyengar yoga. So, but it, the the thing is, is that it it does not set you up for vinyasa. I realize because then you have to learn like a plank and a down dog. So, however, if you're able to hold the five basic standing poses with good alignment, you're developing core strength, back strength hip mobility, you're developing strength in the legs. The legs are inherently tamasic. So most people come to yoga with the legs turned off. Right. And so a big portion of our practice is just teaching people to stand on their feet again. Right. Because of all the time we spend seated, wearing shoes where our feet aren't really turned on, it's really important from the roots to start to nourish the body again. 
And even people that I see like are can do some some pretty fantastic things with their body, they can't do a chair pose because they don't know how to turn on their postural chain when they go into a squatted position. So, um, and, and that's just a product of having never become proficient in the five basic standing poses. Mm, got it. I understand. And now when people want to start to transition into the vinyasa practice, what do you recommend? So the, the, after, after they've gained a foundation in the standing poses, then I go into strengthening the back body through belly back bends, mm-hmm. which is kind of a crude way to do it. There are more efficient ways to do it um, with resistance training. Mm-hmm. However, um, without any resistance, wh- what I do in the the 30-day challenge is I have people do this prone work to help to strengthen the external rotators, the backs of the shoulders, because I'm sure as a teacher you've seen is that when the average person tries to lower into chaturanga, they don't have the strength in their shoulders and their back to be able to keep the integrity of the shoulder girdle such that the shoulder internally rotates and sinks onto the chest. Mm -hmm. And then that sets them up for a cave chest when they're going into upward facing dog. So doing that repetitively starts to put a lot of strain on your shoulder. And then it's also doing the opposite of what we're trying to do in vinyasa yoga with the vinyasa. We're like working on opening up the heart. Everyone comes, most people come to yoga with their chest closed and then we're just like building more chest closing with the vinyasa. So, um, what I do in this 30 day series is I have, it's basically like cactus arms. So you lie on your belly, you do cactus arms, you focus on engaging the external rotators and then do an extended version of Shalabhasana with the arms forward to start to strengthen the traps to hold the arms, but without uh, shrugging. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we alternate between going into that and then the arms back position. So it's kind of like this little vinyasa that I created. But then even before that, I have people do mobility exercises with the shoulders because your average person, if you put them on their belly and ask them to do that, all the wrong muscles will take over to hold the arms up. So we just do like little mobility exercises with the shoulders and the neck to kind of warm them up and then go through that um, belly backbend series. And in the belly backbend series, I have them really focus on not arching too much into the backbend and more focus on elongating and just hovering above the floor. Mm, And for me, that's important to develop the core strength and develop the connection between the back and the core. That's extremely smart. I think a lot of people forget. To, well, I mean, it's easy to forget, you know, because we're all so we're such front bodied creatures mm-hmm. that like strengthening our back, our back body needs so much love, and all we end up doing is like put, like putting so much length into it. We really just need to get really stronger in tight. People in their hamstrings who are always complaining like hamstrings are tight, hamstrings are tight. Your hamstrings probably need to get a lot stronger than you think they do. <laughs> right, that's a really good point. It's so true. Like people forget that, you know, and same thing with, you know, back body and, you know, I mean, the entire back line of the body, I think just gets missed. There's, there's so much opportunity for strength there. And I think it just gets missed over and over and over again. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's, we teach the beginners from the front body because that's what they can see. That's what they're identified with. But just because you can't see the back body doesn't mean it doesn't need work. Like you said, it's so important. And what I started to notice after teaching vinyasa for a little bit is that most people couldn't do a warrior three 
that as soon as they went to step up and load one leg, every, the whole kinetic chain would just turn off. Mm. And then trying to twist on top of that, I was like, oh man, like people can't even do warrior three. Then they're going to try to do twisted half moons and things. And like, this is so bad for the body because you were just strengthening this bad posture. Right. So it really made me think about well, what type of exercise do people need to help to strengthen those muscles so that they can hold their kinetic chain when they go to balance on one leg. That's super smart. I, I think I love, I, I do this thing called, uh, well, you, you do more, you were talking about it in your, um, in your, in your vinyasa thing, but in warrior three, where I kind of do like cactus arms, but I bend the elbows mm. and lift them up towards the ceiling. So you kind of look like a scarecrow. You know what I mean? Mm. I call it scarecrow, but you bend the back leg too as well. So then you're really focusing on firing up the hamstrings and the front leg can't straighten out. You got to bend that as well. So it's literally like back body, <laughs> super strengthener extreme. <laughs> That's good. I like that. That's like a more advanced progression of what I was, I'm going to teach that in next year's level Level two, three-day challenge. <laughs> That's a good one. So long as you're like brought to you by Danny Pumploon. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, thanks, Tim. I can't. I, uh, I I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom. And and actually, just I can't wait to check out your little thirty-day course and see what I can uh, pick up on there. I can't wait to try that vinyasa out on the back body. See how it feels. Oh yeah, check check it out. Yeah, well, for sure. Well, until the next Yogi Misfit sessions, this is Danny and Tim saying peace out. Thanks, Danny. Appreciate it. Hey, I don't know if you heard, but I now have a Danny Pomploon collaboration uh, yoga shorts for men in uh, collab with Workshop. They make really, really, really amazing, amazing uh, women's yoga clothes and men's yoga clothes. And the cool thing is, is they're locally based um, in Los Angeles. A really good friend of mine actually runs the show down there and creates all the art. So we know where it's coming from. We know it's sustainable and we know that we're supporting local. Um, You can check out the shorts um, below in the link. And you can also check out all their other clothes. And if you use the code Danny, you'll get 10% off a $75 or more purchase, which is super cool. So check out Workshop and uh, tell me what you think of the Danny shorts.